0: All right, Jeff, welcome back uh, to the Polaris Greystone studio, as it were. Today, we're going to take a look at financial planning.
1: Yeah, one of the more common mistakes that we see uh, investors make is not having a plan. Yeah, this is uh, about as basic as we can possibly get, but uh, yeah, first mistake that uh, that people make is just not even having a plan themselves.
0: Yeah, unbelievably, um, not having a plan, um, what's the old saying? Plan to fail, fail to plan, I think yeah, is exactly. what it is. Exactly.
1: What's, what's remarkable to me is that uh, in all of our public speaking, it's not uncommon at all. We're in a room full of 30, 40, 50 people and ask the age-old question, who here has a written out, quantifiable financial plan for themselves? Maybe one hand goes up, but it's certainly not even uncommon where you'll have no hands that will go up within the process. Um, I've heard higher statistics, but I mean, from our own personal experience with very high net worth individuals is that we see less than 5% of the people that attend our events actually have a financial plan for themselves.
0: Uh, it's not as intuitive for you if you don't do it every day. I think, I think the that part
1: of it is, is that it's an intimidating thing for a lot of people. Uh, They don't know the language. They don't understand how the math works. They don't really even know where to begin. And then, unfortunately, within our industry, uh, there's enough people out there that aren't necessarily looking out for the client's best interest at heart. So you get a little bit of a used car salesman mentality to uh, the the thought process of of people viewing uh, advisors within our industry. So people become afraid to even approach somebody within our industry to even seek help because they're afraid of being taken advantage of.
0: Right, but the industry has gone in and has really started to, I think, uh, put in some much-needed upgrades along these lines. A lot of the fiduciary standards um, of recent years, um, you know, and um, just placing the SEC uh, spotlight on people. Um, well, I was going to
1: say, even just... Take a moment there because, I mean, Polaris Greystone has to act in a fiduciary capacity for our clients, which means that, you know, we work for the client and nobody else. But there are a lot of other firms out there, the entire brokerage world, for example, your Merrill's, your JP Morgan's, your Goldman Sachs's of the world don't have to act in that same capacity but they really try to muddy the water as much as possible so that the end investor really doesn't understand the difference between us and them. Mm -hmm. So again, that kind of leads to a little bit of a once bitten, twice shy type of circumstance where somebody has gone to somebody, it hasn't worked out as well as they are, and again, because they don't know really how to ask or to differentiate, oftentimes they're afraid to look for additional help. So when we give these events, and, and it's a, a little bit less of a uh, commitment to sit there and work with somebody like us, we'll get a lot, lot larger pool of people that might have an interest in what we're talking about. And when they're honest with each other, that's when the hand goes up of, I don't have a financial plan. I, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, we don't often talk about being successful on purpose. How in the world, can you be successful with your financial life
0: if you don't have a plan for it? So if I'm listening to this, I guess that's that's the way I always like to think of this. If, if you're listening to this, either you're working out or you're in your car, why should I have a financial plan? Is, is what a lot of people are probably asking, maybe not even out loud, but they're thinking, what is this whole exercise for? It's It's cumbersome, it takes time. Why would I want to? So can we just kind of list out some of the primary reasons that one would want to create a financial yeah. plan. I
1: mean, I, I think the first one, we, we oftentimes try to use as much in, in the way of analogies as we possibly can so that the the language is easy to understand. But you know, we want to understand who you are, where you are, what you're trying to accomplish, and over what time period is that that we have to accomplish those goals. So if you think about the, uh, the analogy of driving cross-country, imagine if you're in Manhattan uh, behind the wheel of a car trying to drive to, say, San Francisco, how do you get there? You go yeah. west, right? If you do go west and a little bit you south. You go left, uh, you go down. But if you didn't have a map, I mean, what's the likelihood of you possibly getting lost along the way?
0: It's actually a pretty boring drive. It's, I- <laughs> it's I-80 for the most part. I wasn't going to answer that but, question uh, for you because it's not yeah. It's not horrible. I no. mean, you can basically you can take a leg like, south and it'll you, cost you, you an you extra You go west,
1: day. you get into New Jersey, you find I-80, and, and it takes you the rest of the way. But Usually. If you didn't know that you know what would be the likelihood of you getting lost yeah it can be high. Um, you know what if you didn't have gps in the car what would be the likelihood what if it was snowing all the way through the midwest mm-hmm. would you want to drive that way or perhaps you would choose to go south first and then cut over west afterwards that might be a faster and safer way of doing it to avoid weather mm-hmm. you know and again let's let's even take it a step further how about if it was manhattan beach versus manhattan the island mm-hmm. would the advice being given at that point be valid Because if we're saying you got to go west and you got to go south a little bit from Manhattan Beach, you're in some trouble. You're out in the Pacific. So Mm -hmm. we want to understand who you are, where you are, what you are wanting to accomplish. Let's say that you and I were talking about that and you said, I've got 20 years until my retirement. Or in this case, I've got a month to drive cross country. But what if you wanted to still drive the speed limit? You're going to get cross country a lot faster. You know, or if you're work, driving a full day and driving 65 miles per hour, um, and we're going to get you to San Francisco a lot faster than a month. So we want to understand how all these goals dovetail together. And most mm-hmm. people, it's not as simple as, I want to retire. They have all sorts of other shorter-term goals that are being dovetailed into a financial plan, as well as their long-term. So mm-hmm. a financial plan, number one, defines your goals, and mm-hmm. it helps you keep yourself accountable to right. accomplishing those goals. It allows for us to
0: track how close we're getting to those goals and so on. It keeps you organized. I think that a lot of the times when I do a financial plan with somebody, there's light bulbs that are going off as I'm talking to them. They're, they're sort of realizing, even as they're saying these things aloud, aha, that is important to me. Yeah, I'm writing just, this just down. Just think
1: about the itinerary. Also, I mean, like they're they're saying, I've got this account, this account, this account. How often is it that someone will come back to you after you've done a plan and go, Oh gosh, I forgot about these three more accounts also. And uh, there's you know tend to be smaller IRAs or mm-hmm. CDs or something else that's off to the side or an old 401k plan that they might have had. But they go, Oh my gosh, I forgot about this over here. So you're taking an inventory mm-hmm. of everything you have, and then you right. at least have on one piece of paper. What your net worth is. Mm -hmm. There's a novel concept, right? How much of that is liquid? How much of that is going to go towards the short-term and intermediate and long-term goals that you're going to
0: have? Yeah, it disambiguates a lot of the mental accounting, which is what I think goes on when you don't have a discrete financial plan. A lot of people... I'm amazed at how many people are either overly conservative... You're sitting on, you know, five million dollars, and you're spending sixty thousand dollars a year, and you will not take that vacation because you want to pinch pennies. And I'm sitting here well, going, "Wow." Let's even take it a step
1: further. You've got somebody that's sitting there telling you how great they're doing managing, uh, you know, one of their accounts, but they're sitting on thirty or forty percent cash, and they're not looking at that as part of the overall return. Of their portfolio mm-hmm. and how that's going to inhibit them from accomplishing their long-term financial goals for themselves
0: right so it sounds like personal discipline is a big piece of it it really holds you to account for the numbers themselves once <laughs> they're staring at you in black and white you can't talk about being amazing if you t- turned a hundred thousand dollars into a hundred and five thousand dollars in a couple of years yeah. um, you're not that amazing well that's exactly right i mean and so again what we tend to see is
1: people that will you know to take our analogy a step further they won't have a map they won't have gps they'll just jump in their car and drive as fast as they possibly can without having any idea of the direction that they're going they don't mm-hmm. know if they're actually costing themselves more uh they might be driving in the wrong direction uh, where they're like hey all i want to do is make as much money as i possibly can and again they selectively look at specific accounts or specific investments they're not looking at the overall it's kind of like me and my golf game. If I sat there and actually counted every single stroke that I had, what would my handicap really be? Right. Now, and in our game, we don't have mulligans. We don't have the ability to sit there and take back a shot that we supposedly made. We actually have to score... Everything, and so it's a very different way yeah. of being able to look at the overall investment as a as a whole. Uh, you and I were talking about this even in preparation of it, and looking at you know the bench, you know the personal benchmarking and how people look at their own investments versus what the reality is out there. The Investment Company Institute did a thirty year study on the average equity mutual fund investor and found that that from nineteen eighty six through two thousand and sixteen. Um, a 30-year time period that the average person only got a 4% return when the S&P 500 was sitting at a little bit north of 10% return. So, pretty remarkable difference of really what we were seeing out there in mm-hmm. the way of total return uh, that the average person will be expecting.
0: Yeah, and one of the conclusions we would draw from this, and I've seen this to be true, is is people don't behave the same way as they said that they would when they create a plan, even. You know, as as this kind of this uncontrollable series of events—I should put air quotes around uncontrollable—because it's fairly predictable over years and years and years. But they see the market get really, uh, really jumpy, and they themselves they become jumpy and they jump well, in and out. It's
1: it's the proverbial getting defensive driving after you've already gotten the car accident, right? I mean, so, and there's also a bit of a loose superiority within it. Nobody wants to believe that they are average or a below average investor. A person that has money is, is typically fairly educated and they're gonna sit there and wanna believe that they're actually contributing to the long-term goals that they want, but they've got their head buried in the sand. They're not mm-hmm. looking at the total amount of money that they have and if it's working or not working mm-hmm. and we're not sitting there saying that every dollar that you have needs to be sitting there invested in the stock market or the bond market you should have a security account you should have an emergency uh, fund in, in order to be able to take care of anywhere from three to 24 months worth of need but once we've got that established everything else should be working for you and if mm-hmm. it's not You're really doing yourself a disservice. Mm -hmm. I was meeting with a client not so long ago, and he had a a fair amount of his net worth tied up in CDs. And we were just talking about it, and I I asked him, I'm like, well, how much are you making on your CDs? He happens to live in a state with no state income tax, Um, but he was making about 1.5%. So I'm like, okay, well, let's just shave a third of that off. Uh, That goes away to federal taxes. And so now we're down to 1%, and we all know right now that inflation is a little bit north of 2%. So what you're telling me is that you're willing to guarantee a loss of 1% per year to inflation in your buying power every single year just to be safe. Mm -hmm. And once it was put in that light for him, he thought he was making progress. Hey, you got money? You see a little bit more money in there? You don't really understand that that's really a prohibitive thing to you actually accomplishing some of your longer-term goals.
0: So if I'm hearing you, you're basically talking again about the kind of floodlight that that puts down onto the practices. This, This guy is probably looking at his accounts, and he's looking at the marginal growth that's occurring, and he's just saying to himself, Okay. I'm it's headed growing. in the right direction. That's growing. Yeah. I'm, I'm headed in the right direction. I can safely set that ledger aside again. And I can go about the rest of my life. So oftentimes, let's go backwards again. Let's talk about that driving cross country. Uh, mm-hmm. Oftentimes, what we have is
1: people don't know you know, how fast they should be driving. So mm-hmm. what's the minimum average speed that they need to take you know, in order for them to get from point A to point B successfully mm-hmm. at the amount of time that they've given us? So that's the one thing, again, and I keep on going back to the be successful on purpose statement to you is by running a plan, we look at where you are now, we look at how much you plan on saving, how much you hope to grow the portfolio each year, and where you want to be in the future. And we see if those marry up. I mean, one of the biggest things is making sure that we have truly a realistic plan for you. You know, if somebody came to us and they had a million dollars and they said they wanted to be a billionaire and they had five years to do it, is that realistic? I mean. No, so let's talk about what some realistic goals are, where you can be in specific time periods in the in the near future. Mm-hmm. So, uh, well, I mean, it can tell you it
0: more. It can tell you more about what what is not going to be possible, and and what you're going to have to to risk if you do want to get there. That's exactly. Which I think is legitimate because I I can sometimes tell somebody, okay, you can get ten percent per year if you are willing to. Play some play some serious odds. I mean, you basically are going to have to get into some some kind of gambling, and then when faced with that decision, then people can clearly um, then they can take outsized risks well, if they want. To.
1: Average, uh, as we talked about, the average of the S and P five hundred over the last thirty years is ten percent. Right. So, I mean, to to be at that level uh, or even above that level, you're looking at having to uh, to have small cap involved, a lot of international involved, uh, things like emerging markets and so on. You're fully invested in the stock market and most people talk a mean game about being able to do that until it's not working for them, which again goes back to that 4% uh, return versus the 10%, the 4% mm-hmm. as the individual investor. And what the results are is again, most people invest when they feel comfortable they get out when they don't feel comfortable. So
0: and you, you, yeah, and you know, the illusory support superiority, you, you, you threw that out a minute ago, and I just want to talk about that for just a second. Everybody thinks they're superior. I'm
1: definitely and, <laughs> you know, a great driver. I'm a great golfer. You know, there's not a yeah. lot that I don't do. Well.
0: Yeah, I'm a great dad, even though I'm constantly unprepared when I go on the road. You know that two-hour trip is not going to take two hours when you've got three children uh, that have to stop and take a pee-pee break every, every 20 minutes. But the 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 thing that's interesting is is the discipline that people think that they're going to have. I was talking with a client not too long ago who's asking about real estate versus versus the stock market. And and you know where this guy is going is, is he's talking about how great real estate is. But but my point to him is is it just has the illusion of looking great because you were unable to help yourself with regards to your stock portfolio. Every time you get out, you get back in. You get back out, you get in that's where you're really hurting yourself with a stock portfolio whereas think about the way that you behave with your mortgage you, you put your money into your mortgage um first well they're two
1: very different things they're also a leveraged product i mean the average person puts 20 percent down on their house which means that the bank owns the other 80 percent. so if we took your million dollar portfolio and went out and bought five million dollars worth of securities and we had the ability to write off the margin on the other four million <laughs> Yeah. Uh, then that would be a fantastic thing. The problem is that when it doesn't work, a lot of people, especially uh, based in California, real estate doesn't go down. Well, it did a lot. Starting in 2007 all the way to the, through 2011, people got absolutely destroyed. And it's one of the reasons why the financial crisis was the financial crisis. So that leverage works fantastic until it doesn't. And so, yes, there is a place in everybody's total net worth for having real estate, both as primary residence and perhaps depending on how much their primary residence is of their total net worth to have outside investments within the real estate marketplace. But it's just like anything else. You want to be well-versed in what you're investing in, and it needs to be a part of what you're doing, not the
0: entirety of what you're doing. Right. And if you have a financial plan, you can be specific about it. You could say, hey, I'm going to do some real estate. I'm also going to look at long-term rates of return within my investments. I'm going to I'm gonna be making a, what What was the word that we use? Intentional. We're gonna be intentional about putting the money into my growth stock mutual fund, if, well, if that's sadly, all Well sadly,
1: as we've discussed, sadly, I mean, and this again was an outside discussion that you and I had, most people spend more time planning their vacations than their, their long-term financial <laughs> goals. I mean, and so again, they're dealing with the, the fun things in life and not actually addressing the things that are gonna actually make a large difference on how they retire right so again biggest things that we want to do is, is to take that inventory to begin with assess your your goals marry your goals with things like savings and, and market growth I mean again when we're talking about you know, long-term financial planning we don't want it to be like a diet okay you know diets don't work they only work for a very short period of time but if we are talking about trying to lose weight do you exercise more or do you eat less In most cases, the most successful will be a little bit of both. Right. So, all the time. If you understand how much money you need to save on an annual basis in order to accomplish your goals, and you're not saving that amount of money right now, being able to learn how to abstain some from how you're spending money becomes purposeful. Mm -hmm. Being able to get the rest of your money growing for you and growing for you in a much more purposeful way is the other way of doing it. Having both of them working in concert together, that's how you accomplish your long-term financial goals. That's how you be successful on purpose. But it's also tracking it. So again, if you wanna lose weight, you, you certainly don't wanna go, uh, uh, go check your weight three or four times a day. That doesn't really help you. What you wanna do is perhaps go look at it maybe once a week to understand if you're making progress or not. Yeah, same thing with a financial plan you sat there and looked and re-ran a financial plan every single week every single month Even every you know six months. It's not going to have changed enough to change the dial at all So we want to make sure that we are being realistic or being purposeful we typically are talking about every 18 to 24 months where we want to have a revision made or if there's something major that has changed. Like you changed a job. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've gone through, you know, a death in the family or a divorce or something that is truly
0: material and change in your life, then we'll all want to immediately go ahead and rerun a financial plan. Right. But in the meantime, you have to be adopting those practices that your initial intake, your your kind of initial diagnostic indicated that you need.
1: Well, again, if you're sitting there saying that I want to lose weight And you go out and exercise, but you're, you know, when you're eating, all you're eating is cake and cookies and all the bad things for you in the world, you're not going to make any progress, right? So, again, you can sit there and have your portfolio growing for you, but if you don't have the savings to go along with it, you're not going to get to your goals successfully. You're certainly going to make it a lot more challenging to get there.
0: Now we've both done a number of financial plans over the years, and um, you know we're going uh, to go a little bit longer with this. But just one: Do you have any uh, any stories of where financial planning either uh, was was crucial and it really helped somebody, or maybe if somebody got hurt because they didn't have a financial plan, um, just to kind of make this real? Well,
1: let's go with the uh, the carrot not to stick on this one. I, I remember sitting down with uh, a, a, a single woman, and this was a number of years ago and we basically had come up with that she needed to be able to save another it was a little bit north of five thousand dollars a year that she needed of additional savings uh in order to accomplish her long-term financial goals and she looked at me and she was absolutely serious and she's like there's no way in the world that i can save more money i i'm at my you know i'm scrimping i'm doing everything that i possibly can to save every single penny that i can to go into this and so i'm like okay Well, let's start talking about this. First of all, she wasn't maxing out her her 401k plan. She was doing a number of, of other things that were wrong. But I was like, okay, well, how often do you eat lunch out when you're at work? Every single day at work. She was going out to eat with colleagues. And, you know, that doesn't sound like a huge number. But what I ended up doing was I'm like, okay, would it be that invasive to your work schedule to bring in? lunch just twice a week, twice a week only, and you will save $15, $20 a week in doing that. And That got us $1,000 right there alone just by her deciding that she was not going to sit there and eat out every single lunch. And then we changed her from not eating out dinner as well just once, cut one day more out of the week for her to not eat out. And it was it was deal-changing. So we made that all pre-tax money so she could max out her retirement plan. So she really didn't need to save 5000 mm-hmm. She needed to save a few thousand in order to get matching and to be able to get the pre-tax versus post-tax numbers working for her for her benefit. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we were able to find savings in a lot of ways that she really didn't understand between corporate matching, having the government essentially. I mean, for every penny that you put to work in a qualified retirement plan, That's money that the government's not taxing. So even if your company is not matching you in that situation, it tends to be a fantastic thing for you to be able to do. So Mm -hmm. she had matching, she had tax relief, and then she set aside her own money, and we were able to, to truly get her Actually, beyond what she was want, uh, her expectations were for her annualized savings in
0: order to get her to where she needed to be. Yeah, little things that make such a big, big impact over time. You really moved the needle with her, I bet over oh. over the years that you worked together.
1: This was several years ago, and yeah, she's actually ahead of her her plan goals, everything else along those lines. You know, happy as happy can be. Another really interesting kind of key there, and again, these are the little tricks that we help clients with over the years. Is as she got raises she didn't take the raise. She just stuck it right into her retirement account. So she would get a 5% raise, 10% raise, and it was several thousand dollars, but rather than having that money go to her in an after-tax basis, she just piled that right back into her retirement plan. So it allowed for her a little bit more fun. She Don't get me wrong, she didn't take 100% of it, but she took a great majority of it. And every single time there was a raise, she only felt a tiny bit of it, and she could incrementally change her life some, but the rest of it all went into her retirement account.
0: Yeah, so she was insulated against the uh, the lifestyle bloat, um, as I like to refer to it as.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's the keeping up with the Joneses, and, and the realism of it is that many people that are showing that outward wealth really don't have the money that they pers- you know try to, to portray that they have. And so oftentimes, you're, you're chasing mirages. Mm-hmm. And so what you really need to do is be true to yourself, Have your own goals, run your own race, make sure you're accomplishing your goals in the time that you want to accomplish them Mm -hmm. and be successful on purpose. Have the the life that you want.
0: Yeah. You know, the people that are being successful on purpose, it always amazes me. I will meet people that have a financial plan, um, a pretty good one at the time that I meet them. Oftentimes they're creating it in Microsoft Excel or something like that. And it reminds me of those weight loss commercials where, where one person looks at another and he says, you know, you don't need Uh, a a diet you just look so good and they kind of wink at the camera right and they go it's because i've been doing this that i look so good and so that is why our job can be difficult sometimes to to really kind of convert people um if you can convert yourself to getting onto a more disciplined system you're great well
1: let's take that one step further i mean you're talking about somebody sitting at the gym that looks great that uh you know they're they're working out everything else oftentimes they have a trainer yeah, right. And it's yeah. it's not that the trainer does the workout for them. They still have to do it themselves. They have to put in the hard work. It's being accountable to somebody else. And oftentimes, when you're being called out on why you haven't saved or why you haven't grown or why you haven't shown up to the gym or why you're eating the wrong foods, you're going to do the right thing more often <laughs> than not. So it's yeah. it's
0: allowing yourself to become accountable to somebody else. Yeah, sometimes you need to pay somebody to, 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 to give you the bad news. Uh, if I could tell you how many times my friends have said, no, let's just stay out and let's have a few more drinks and then let's get some pizza after hours. Right. <laughs> Your friends are not the ones that are going to tell you, ooh, we should put a lid on this. Yeah, they're they're um, not there at the 5 o'clock in the
1: morning, wake up to uh, go do the workout. No, right? no so, they never are. Uh, so it's definitely the, the, uh, <laughs> the keep discipline. And again, it doesn't mean that every single step of the way that you have to be financially minded with every single thing that you do, you can gonna have dessert every once in a while, which well, just to understand that the dessert's gonna set you back a little bit, yeah. and that you're gonna have to work that much harder in order to be the steps ahead that you wanted to be. So, hmm. you know, it's really, it's, it's giving yourself permission uh, to spend your own money. I mean, you're the one that's working hard for it and all the other things that are going into it, but it's also definitely one of those items to understand the consequences of your actions have a cheat
0: day on purpose yeah
1: you know again if we're if we're also already setting aside a cheat account so maybe you set aside a little bit of money depending on you know again your own personal specific needs and your personal situation but you can set aside a vacation account you can set aside a cheat account you can set aside whatever you want is so Mm -hmm. that again once that bucket's been filled you give yourself permission to sit there and spend the money that's yeah. sitting in that pocket. There's you can nothing have your wrong mad with
0: money. Yeah, you Absolutely. can go. You can go and have fun. Yeah. I don't want my clients to not have fun, uh, but I'll, I'll tell you what's not fun um, is being poor during retirement. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's uh, that's uh, that's the uh, the end result that ends up happening with most people is again most people have no concept whatsoever what retirement's going to be. They oftentimes look towards pensions. They look towards Social Security. As a supplement that may or may not be there during their retirement. Yeah. And so, I mean, how often uh, have we seen? Like, I don't know. United Airlines redid their entire pension plan for their their pilots uh, years ago mm-hmm. and basically cut it to less than fifty percent of what it was. Sadly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you look at state yeah. of California and how underfunded uh, our pension plan is for state uh, employees. And you tell me we're going to have the, the same pension for them in 10, 20, 30 years. Mm-hmm. Social Security is underfunded. You need to be you know, taking care of yourself and not looking at it with anybody else other than you yeah. uh, being financially responsible.
0: I like it. Well, we're getting a little long, Jeff, so I'm going to cut. Um, do we have any, uh, any last thoughts before we head out? You know, again, self-discipline is uh, certainly
1: a great item, but not something that people are, are typically able to do on a long-term basis. Mm-hmm. Having that you know, that planner helping you put together the plan, having that person having uh, the ability to hold you accountable to yourself, and having that financial discipline, not just a week or a month or a quarter, but over the long-term in order to help you accomplish the things that are most important in your life is really to us uh, really the, the factor behind this. Yeah. So
0: we hope you enjoyed what you heard. Uh, try to be successful on purpose. I love it. Thanks for uh, coming up again, returning to us, Jeff. I know you have a lot of passion about the subject. Um, And that is a good reminder. If you need to talk to us, that is indeed what we do every single day. So get in touch with your planner. They care very much about helping you to achieve your goals. Um, Other than that, tune in next week. We'll talk to you then. Polaris Greystone Financial Group LLC is a federally registered investment advisor. The information, statements, and opinions expressed in this material are provided for general information only and are subject to change without notice. This material does not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, is not intended as a recommendation to purchase or sell any security, and is not intended as individual or specific advice. It should not be construed as investment, legal, or tax advice. Polaris Greystone does not offer legal or tax advice. All information contained herein is believed to be accurate, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where polaris Greystone financial group llc and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure past performance is no guarantee of future returns diversification does not assure a profit or protect against loss investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital no advice may be rendered by polaris Greystone financial group llc unless a client service agreement is in place